This episode of the Colton Culture Podcast is presented by Thunder Road Guitars. Thunder Road Guitars is the Pacific Northwest best source of premium, new, used, and vintage guitars, amplifiers, and pedals. Online or in their Seattle and Portland shops, you'll find fantastic customer service and a terrific vibe. Real people offering real service. Use code ColtCulture10 to get 10% off at www.thunderroadguitars.com. The DistroKid app is available for iOS and Android. You can now get an additional 30% off if you go to distrokid.com forward slash VIP forward slash Colt. That's distrokid.com forward slash VIP forward slash Colt. Or you can get it in the App Store. The new gold standard of audio repair, Isotope RX11, is coming in May. In the meantime, you can buy RX10 now, on sale, and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. Colton Culture listeners get 10% off by using the code FRET10. F-R-E-T-1-0, that's code FRET10 at isotope.com, I-Z-O-T-O-P-E.com. Fuck. All right, let's we're rolling. Rolling. Planet B presents 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 Colton Culture Podcast. All right, welcome to episode seventeen of the Colton Culture Podcast. This is Justin Pearson. This is Luke Hinshaw. This episode features um, our friends in Black Dice, um, longtime f- fan of the band and the people. Uh, I've toured with them with fuck, with the Locust first, and then and then I think. I, all leather retox. I've played a bunch of shows with them, and um, also like known them through their incarnations of all the lineups and stuff. And was lucky enough to release a single on Three One G by them, mm. which is a pretty insane forty-page full-color book, um, which nice. we'll talk about. Um, yeah, so it was cool to have Eric, Bjorn, and Aaron on the show. Um, they they played a show in San Diego for their their uh, in support of their new record, and it was great to catch up with them. Well, hi, this is Bjorn from Black Dice. And Eric. And this is Aaron from Black Dice. Cool. Well, I, w- I wanted to like kind of do like a journey of, 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 sure. of my <laughs> relationship with you guys or my, yeah, I, I guess my, my sort of view of, of Black Dice, um, if that's okay. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> right. yeah. Um, and it's, it's funny because like I kind of explained it to Luke earlier too. It's like... Um, I have all, like all these things were like before I ever even met you guys. I, all these things. Well, I mean, I knew you before, obviously. So that was a that was like a crazy like having you join the band. I mean, it was like it was awesome. I mean, it was already awesome before, but I, before you guys ever came out here, there was like this sort of like folklore about you guys like being violent and you know all this like wild shit. And you know, I mean, the, I think I think I could I can kind of relate to it because the locusts sort of had a little bit of that too, or yeah. like. Um, well, not that you guys are violent or that the locusts were, but it was always like just shit happened and it was bad and it was kind of crazy because the first time I saw you guys play was at the Che, and I remember everyone was frightened of you mainly and everyone was like <laughs> you know out in the in the circle and, and and um you know I don't know what you were like I don't think you were like swinging your mic around or anything but you brought this chair out there and people thought you were gonna <laughs> fucking hit him with the chair you know. <laughs> But the worst of it, I guess, you know, worst of it in quotations was that you ended up, I think, breaking the mic 
and then sticking the mic cable up your ass and there was like shit all over it. <laughs> I doubt there was shit all over it. <laughs> there was because <laughs> Do you guys know Jay? Um Huff? Red J. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the sound engineer and he was like he was like for one, like a normal human being would be like, fuck that band for putting shit on them. But he was like you know, he was the, he was the sound person at that he show, I think. To us and charge us fifteen dollars. Yeah. Oh. Cable, which was right. <laughs> yeah. To do. But I remember him be like, "I'm really sorry, but yeah, it's it's like a twenty foot ta- yeah. cable. Like yeah. I need fifteen dollars." It's just kind of crazy how high stakes a show with like twenty people at it seemed at yeah the time where you would end up overselling things so you get hurt at the show or somebody else gets. Just things that seem like big deals now. I'm just sort of like, whatever. Yeah. But about that. it was crazy because I think, I mean, it's pre-internet, so I think everyone had this, like, idea, like, oh, fuck, it's going to be a thing. Like, almost like seeing Gigi Allen or something. You're just like, what are we going to do? Like, yeah. be, you know, like, get, like, positioned in the venue where you won't get hurt or won't get shit on you. And it was great that it ended in that. It was, like, not violent at all, except there was just shit on the mic cable, and you're like, it was such a rad, and I mean this in a loving way, but it was such a rad fuck you to, like, everything. I feel like Bjorn brings up that idea a lot, though, or has over the years where kind of the best, there's a lot of progress that can be made by misinterpreting what you're interested in, you know? Like, like for instance, I when I was a kid, I always thought, like, that club culture, like, club kids, it's kind of fascinating to mm-hmm. me. Realistically, I probably didn't want to be in those clubs with any of those people, but like my or right now I'm really into the Grateful Dead right like now you are we won't bring it up okay but it's like something that I think I have a fantasy about more than I think about if I had to be there and you I had to like, hang out with those fuckers and eat falafel in the parking lot yeah that's <laughs> spin around but I feel it. like that's I remember when we heard about the locust. it was a similar thing like it, I feel like the imagination of it was, was part of it when it know? sucked being behind you guys on tour because it's just like felt like your shows were well attended people were psyched bought lots of merch and stuff and it seemed like there was a lot of years where we were like coming in the next week and people just like fucking locust show was amazing but we we did a show together at chain reaction and i remember like we were so psyched and it felt so good for us and 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 i think you guys like we felt like a fucking team and yeah yeah but i mean no offense to orange county but fuck orange county and everyone was like freaked out by you guys that was that was that was a cool show that was a rough one too because aaron was friends with the sound guy and then we got into an altercation with him yeah rusty who's doing the sound rusty from the shock yeah yeah he He was was pissed at you guys he was he hated us and it was it was it was it was really (laughs) tough for me because he had like recorded like a titari record and like I was like friends with him, you know, when when we were in LA and stuff like yeah. that. And it was like I was rolling back with. Wait, this he new... recorded a Titari record? Yeah, yeah, the seven inch. Yeah. Oh, that's fucking yeah. crazy. Answer. Yeah, it was at his house. Yeah. Okay, so wait, so but obvi- but also too, like you joining the band was so rad because I never I never met your the previous bass player. Like I think he played that show at the Che, but I didn't I didn't barely knew you guys. I think, yeah. I don't even know if we had discussed like the record with 31G yet. I don't think so because that seemed like it came like a tiny bit after we would have met. we played at uh, ABC, didn't we? Yes. And then we were like... And you stayed at my place. Remember that? In New York? Yeah, yeah. In Brooklyn. Oh, I remember it was show. like, but it was like, well, but you guys it was actually play, your place. It was actually play Eric's place. It wasn't. I had just moved. It. I didn't oh, even yeah. know how to get there. Yeah. I was like, I was like, <laughs> yeah, I've never been in a yeah, car yeah, before yeah. in New York. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know how to get there. But you had to play under a fake name too. Um, oh, you weren't allowed to play. Uh, you were like already banned from there, I think, or something. Because I remember, I remember, like, dude, no one's gonna come out to see us. And Black Mice is playing, and I forgot what your fake name was. White Mice. 
something like that. Maybe something like that. All right, but remember. but that but I think the the because yeah, I don't we don't have a flyer for this show, and that might be why. Because I, I was wondering about that because I remember the show, but like yeah, I've never seen a flyer for it. Yeah. Anyhow, but that was um, it was so. It, like I already loved the band, and, and especially because of the Gravity Records connection and stuff, mm-hmm. it just it it was awesome. And then and then when you when, you know it's like oh now you guys got the guy from Titari, like that was some, <laughs> that's like next level shit. Like you made it like not to you know because there is a coastal difference sort of you know like you yes. and 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 it was nice to like have Black Dice become a, a West, West coasty Coast. kind of thing, you know like that was. Well, was uh, also crazy that you could book a tour. A tour just on the promise that you had a seven inch coming out on gravity like we got shows from like nobody had heard the record and, yeah um it's just kind of crazy to think that you could book a month of shows on but, i mean they certainly were not always the highest quality of shows gigs, yeah but like but that, but that was enough and you got out to the coast and back we made it we made it back and forth but that i think like at that time or that i don't know what you, what was that like mid to late 90s i mean that like being 96. on gravity was the shit like you know like you that's like yeah. the pinnacle like you were yeah i think we had like i think we sent out a tape to gravity and then one to vermiform and then sam just never got back but then the next time i <laughs> yeah. saw him he's like what happened i, re- I really like the tape i was like you didn't write back so yeah. we just did it with, with yeah. that but i remember being secretly jealous of landed because that was that I, there were more things on vermiform that i probably would listen to today yeah just like this is more fucked up in but, general but i think vermiform and maybe maybe gravity was kind of the vermiform of the west coast ish i mean i don't want to compare them to but they both had like this sort of like parallel universe thing happening Seemed like you it. know or what was that other label from out here that did a lot of weird they did that series of like chipboard seven inches they were all like kind of Japanese noise. Vinyl communications. Oh yeah, Chula Vista. Yeah, I've I've never seen that, and we had him on our. I think he, Bob was on our first pod, first podcast. Yeah, that's he's my plumber. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, oh, that's so yeah, cool. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that label had some cool, cool. St- I think there was a men's recovery project. Yep. One. I think he recorded the, the Honda Tarash one is fucking sick. Yes. Yeah. Is a Honda Tarash, like uh, seven inch. Oh, I don't even know that one. Yeah. I think there's the who's the. Fuck it. Who's the band from San Diego? Lights everything on fire and oh, Crash Crash, War. Crash War. Yeah. I think they were. That was like the worst. He, I mean, he, he did like uh, <laughs> he did you know like a heroin seven inch yeah. before before Gravity and stuff. So so that to me that label seemed like kind of a weird. I don't know. I mean, Vinyl Communications and and Gravity were kind of not like intertwined, but they like all the early Gravity stuff's recorded. At vinyl communications and like oh shit it, mm-hmm. there was a lot of like uh cross like cross yeah. pollination same but same with men's recovery project coming through and born against like they yeah. were, they all like it all kind of made sense it made the it made the world seem like smaller i guess you know well and i think we also found out like pretty early on not coming from a hard i mean i guess aaron came from more of a hardcore background but it didn't take too many years of playing shows with just hardcore bands to realize that that wasn't really our I, world yeah like a great hardcore band <laughs> yeah. i love but a mediocre one i got no time t- time for and it just seemed like after a while you were looking for clues to other weird or left to center music that maybe had the same kind of spirit to it but yeah. wasn't like playing by the ebullition 
rule book or, yeah. or something like that. So you were hip to the ebullition world, I guess, kind of? Or I guess a you could A little bit. You played like, the pickle patch, We played right? the pickle patch. Yeah. Um, so you were on Steve Aoki's radar. We have a photo of Steve <laughs> Aoki standing in the back. Yeah. Of it. Like, that place was just this Our living room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With, yeah, yeah. Did you live there also? No, I know. Okay. Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> I played there, but, but never did we, there. Did we play? We might have played there together with like Get Hustle yeah, or something. Yeah, and everybody fucking hated all of us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They they Tatar Get Hustle and Locust, like, yeah. And I think, like, I think we were like, we all jumped on like, uh, uh, you know, his what was it? Um, his Heroes Gone show or something. That was that was like the coolest shit that everyone liked, and uh-huh. there was all like fucked up bands that people hated, you know, and are like, that's cool. His Heroes Gone. That dude used to work at the pizza place in Providence. They were, <laughs> they, I thought they were yeah. pretty good. No, I, we were psyched too. Yeah. But they were like, they were accepted and, and everybody else wasn't. I mean, yeah. definitely Get Hustle. They're just like, what the fuck is this piano shit? You know, and like, that was a rough one. It was, it did not, I mean, we really were not embraced in general by like the world of hard, but you, hardcore. But would you consider like the start of, I mean, not the start, like the first half. I, I see Black Dice as like, two if that's a, if that's not offensive two things sort of and maybe the shift was when you guys got rid of drums right kind kind of because you were still pretty it was definitely musical in the non it was it become like a little bit more open-ended musically i think before hisham left but for me it's sort of like one band up through like the trouble man stuff and then what was the last trouble man thing the 10 inch I think so. Well, then he did Cold Hands, too, I think. At least the CD of it. I think Ketchup Plate did the vinyl. But uh, do you know that one? It's like four songs. It's got like a drone yeah. like song on it and stuff. So that that's like more approaching like a noise there was like of a, approach. There was like a bridge between the two. Yeah, we recorded that with uh, Dave Portner from okay. Animal Collective, actually, at his house. But also, too, I remember like seeing photos of you guys playing in a greenhouse. And I was like, oh, that that's like... Oh, yeah. Kind of next level weirdo shit where, where where you're like not necessarily the violent hardcore band that people made you out to be. Like you're no. playing in a fucking greenhouse. Like that was, I mean, there was just like, that kind of coincided that show with sort of the, this moment where it seemed like every press, every magazine was doing an article on New York. Oh, yeah. Like, because like of post, liars and yeah, post yeah, 9 11. Yeah. Sort of, there was just like a lot of New York pride and like sort of New York spirit. And so you would like get that. in. Stupid magazine articles yeah. with bands that you didn't have anything in like, common. Would be like us with Devendra and The Strokes, yeah. and, and it would be like in Moldy Peaches or, or something, yeah, or yeah, something like yeah. that. Um, it's so weird. So I felt like there was a good couple of years where, well, plus Asham too, because he had like the fashion ins and whatnot. Uh-huh. So like that was something that like sort of just seemed like it just happened, like from my perspective. But then like when he wasn't in the band anymore that stuff didn't happen at all, you know? Uh, So, like, you know, he was always kind of, like, you know, friends (coughs) with people that were doing magazines, and, you know, my friend has this art show, my friend has this fashion show, or, you know, something like that. So there was a lot of stuff that it just kind of seemed like it was happening, but, like, you know, it was because of Hisham. I mean, he's, like, social media before social media, just, like, his person. uh He knew everybody, you know? Yeah. I mean, he's got the San Diego connection as well, you know? Yeah. And so it's weird because I feel like, you know, I, I, I love both, I guess, elements of, of Black Dice. And I think it's so awesome that you were able to, like, dominate each one. Not dominate, but, you know, like, 
kick ass in both like versions of the of the band even though there is the bridge and i think it's a linear thing but like if you, it's kind of like the two parallels like and and i think that's hard for most bands to do a lot of people can't do it thank you yeah i uh, <laughs> yeah, cheers <thank> you. <laughs> we just i mean i think we just lucked out that we all enjoy i mean we're 25 years old this year so the fact that like we're still friends with everybody who was in the band at any point and then we still enjoy doing this. I mean, in some respects, for me, I feel like the last year and a half was sort of put a lot of stuff in perspective where kind of just reminded myself that, like, I'm actually just lucky to be able to do this shit. Like, even if, like, you never make a dollar off of it or it's a pain in the ass to figure out how to coordinate to get together, to get in a van and play a bunch of shows, yeah. like, it's still worth it, so... I, I feel like in a lot of respects we just have been like the pandemic really made fortunate. you appreciate things that we were taking for granted yeah i mean who knows how long that'll last like yeah. i'm sure my attitude will fuck me. It's, yeah it might be salty by the time we're over. Yeah. but uh yeah, but no it, it did make i mean there's periods where i'm just like i would pay 300 dollars to see like a mediocre band yeah tonight like even if it's some fucking whatever sublime cover yeah. band or something like that you heard like, a sublime would, cover yeah watch out that's that's right. San Diego Pride yeah. watch out dude, dude the, the sublime <laughs> behind the music is this is a heavy one really yeah, yeah. I don't know much of, yeah I know it's, I mean for us that's the, the equivalent of where we grew up would be fish like someone talking about yeah. fish is like hometown heroes yeah where, even though they weren't from Maine but like where I can't get down with any of yeah. aspect of that well, wait, let me throw you under the bus then. What's what's your deal with the the your newfound love for uh, the dead? The dead. I, 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 I've been like working. current dead or just like liking the old stuff. No, because they're still right. They're still playing, right? That's dead and company. It's not okay. Yeah, come on, dude. <laughs> I don't know. Dead it's, it's, it's only got like two original. I know. Movies. I know. It's weird. I, if it, I I appreciate that they do it. I because I think. A lot of people love it, and I think it kind of scratches an itch for certain people. Yeah. But I just do. I work at a desk most of the time now, and I need something. And I feel like I got into like big archives, and so the Dead was the first, and then I got into uh, the Sunra Orchestra, and then. But both of them, I feel like you can go for fucking ever. Uh -huh. You know, like it's endless supplies of recordings, endless eras, endless like directions. I don't know. It's just like I feel like it's something I can wrap my brain around without having to like choose that much. Okay, so it's like discovering the Star Wars universe, and you can go like, <laughs> <laughs> you can go, like do whatever. In some ways, they're like superheroes in the dead. You know, yeah. it's like, and they're, you know, this I I shouldn't. These guys are gonna hate me, but I feel like I keep thinking that that that, that every generation has their dead, and I feel like Black Flag is kind of a dead band. And Fugazi was kind of a dead band. You know, like, these bands are kind of counterculture. Uh -huh. They have a community. They have, like, ticket prices that are affordable. They tore their ass off. Yeah. Everybody wants to see them. They're great at what they do, you know? And I don't know if that exists anymore. I don't know if bands are the same. I think you have to be young enough to, you know, do <laughs> some of that work. <laughs> yeah. but, to get your ass out of bed. But I don't know. All that stuff I kind of find fascinating with them. You know, they're like a counterculture that turned into a subculture that's that is success in i think it's book, a phenomenon you know? they're completely fascinating the fact that there's sort of like a criminal component to the whole organization yeah. and um and sort of like a lot of mad scientists involved in or i guess maybe just one 
as far as just like developing gear and stuff for them. Yeah. Well, I always tripped but, out on like the the like sort of parking lot aspect, like yeah, you know, like it doesn't even like. There's deadheads that I've met that like don't give a fuck about the music, you know, and I'm like, yeah. what you, then what's the point? And they're like, you know, why why latch onto this thing? It's all, it is supposed to be about the music, but then maybe not, you know, maybe it's just kind of like the soundtrack for the culture. I also just with a lot of musical subcultures, I just don't feel like I was ever on like the right drugs for them. Like, there's a lot of like I don't know what drugs you have to be on to get into a fish show. Yeah, I mean, like I don't know what they the just fuck. played. I think like yesterday. Here? Yeah, in Chula Vista at the fucking amphitheater, uh, dude, like mean, two just... days ago or something. Yeah. yeah, or a lot of club music. I feel like is like that too. When at least growing up in Maine, if you played, if I heard 808 State or something like that, none of that would make sense yeah, at no, all. Because no place to put it in our culture. There, there was no places where people congregated at night. <laughs> yeah. To, so the idea of having like coked up, eat up, soundtrack to lubricate a specific type of social event, like didn't make any sense at yeah. all and i think for us like there was it happened to be like kind of an interesting moment in providence when we were starting of kind of like i don't know maybe music with kind of a shit bad slightly bad attitude to it where the performances were all like over the top and uh-huh. dangerous and stuff like that so those can were, you like get reference it like well, like landed yeah like the Four Thunder, the world. whole Four Thunder uh-huh. thing, and then Airborne uh, Radar and Six Finger Satellite yeah. and uh, Hydrogen Terrors uh-huh. and stuff like that. So, so I feel like for us, like the biggest <clears throat> musical influences were not. It wasn't like a scene of music that we grew up listening to. It was just sort of like knowing these people personally because you, you saw them around Providence yeah. and then going to see their their sort of fucked up shows. Um, <laughs> but high quality. Yeah, really yeah. high quality. I, mean, I think I it like set those, the bar way too some high. Some of that force field stuff, or, or I mean, even having like a Brian Chippendale or like a, what, a Gabe, what's it? Your, Gabe Serbian? Both of those guys are like fucking superheroes, you know. Like they don't. Yeah, there's a lot of superhero young, you know? drummers like, in that era. Yeah, I like feel twenty like. years yeah. old, and I feel like they're professional athletes on yeah. top of being sort of nuts. Yeah. And, or who's that dude from out who plays in Earthless out here? Who is? Oh, in, Mario Rubicaba. Yeah. yeah, he seemed yeah. like the. It seemed like there's a couple West Coast dudes. Yeah, that, the Deerhoof guy. Yeah, like Mario's kind of fucked up in a good way because you're like oh you're a professional skater and you're like the rippingest drummer ever and like it's like how do you get two super <laughs> yeah, that's not fair yeah, I, like, I think about that you sometimes. get one you don't get two it's fucking bullshit you're watching that Summer of Soul documentary I don't know if you've seen oh, that so yet good. but there's parts of it where you're just like this isn't fair like this one motherfucker shouldn't have this much talent yeah like this could be distributed to 200 people well it would be still really good. yeah stevie wonder yeah that exactly. was bullshit watching him play drums i was like dude uh, oh i know that that, that blew my fucking mind i mean I'll, the first record i ever bought was a stevie wonder record when i was like five and and i like stevie wonder enough as like a five-year-old and i think he's I, yeah i like stevie wonder but like i'd never i didn't know that he could play like that on drums i was just like he's a beast on everything that's fucking bullshit (laughs) yeah no i think he's the drummer on like superstition and stuff no that's superstition is jeff beck i think what's he that maybe that in the city he's like he did one of his big hits like drumming seen that like stevie wonder clip on uh sesame street 
where he does superstition, like yes. in front of Mr. Hooper's yeah. store. But there's like one kid who just reminds me of what I picture Aaron looking like as a a little kid who just got like this long yeah. mane who's just going like fucking ape shit yeah. on the fire escape. I mean, for that alone, I feel like you have to be a Stevie Wonder fan. Just if you can get a six year old to look like they're about to tear the fire escape yeah. off, they're so pumped. Yeah. Well, how did how did you get? Like, what happened with Titari? Like, did you guys break up and then you joined Black Dice or did you move or what happened? Yeah, so, like, I was I was doing Titari and, uh, like, Jason had, like, a bit of a drug problem. And, um, like, you know, he had to keep, like, leaving town to, like, yeah. see if he could clean up yeah. or get, get his life together or whatever. And I just felt like I was, like, like maybe gonna blow it like just in life, you know? Yeah. Like, and I, I kind of felt like <laughs> I needed to... And you were with, like... Mike Crane and, and, and Chris Athwell, like you're with like the worst. Of oh, the worst. dude, dude, I was so nuts. I mean, like, I mean, like those dudes were like the first people that like I met, like in LA, like you know, like we met at Jabberjaw, yeah. um, and uh, yeah, I worked with Mike Crane at like Gil Turner's and in, in, in Beverly Hills. That's the al- the alcohol distributor or something. It would, no, it was like a, a it was like store. a swanky like Beverly Hills like West Hollywood oh. uh, liquor store. Yeah, yeah. And you would like deliver, deliver like, to the stars. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And they would all come in and stuff, and everyone's just, like, wasted, like, the whole time. Like, you could work there, yeah. waste it. You'd just, like, have whatever you wanted, like, from the store yeah. to eat and drink. What and fuck? It was the wildest time. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, and then, you know, like, Mike found this, um, like, uh, apartment in, like, uh, MacArthur Park. Yeah. Did, been, did you yeah, ever yeah, go yeah. there? Yeah. Yeah, with the rehearsal yeah. studio in it. Yeah. Like, he found it in the recycler. Um, and like some other band that yeah. lived there or something like that. And so, uh, like I had the money cause I had the job with him. And so me and Chris moved into that spot and then Green and Jason moved into the, a different apartment upstairs and, uh, and Mike like slept in the closet or something yeah. like that. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, and I, yeah, and it just got real, like, it just got super seedy. Like, you know, we, we lived there for about a year yeah. and shit just went bad off the rails completely so like and then like after a while like you know i'm like meanwhile like titari like had like the gsl record and then um we even uh made this other record but it didn't (coughs) quite come out while we were a band still and we like did some tour we did like u.s tours and stuff we did like two u.s tours and like we were gonna do this like european tour but we didn't have work permits and they sent us back or whatever but so like you already you went there and it didn't get in Dude, we went there, yeah. Like, it, was, it was it was wild. Yeah, uh, but but it's probably just as well. It was like the one tour that, like, if 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 it I'd gone on happened. it, like yeah. I might have died on it or something. Like it was just like it was it was too rugged, I think. But um, but yeah, so like so like yeah, late late era Titari, it was just getting really scrappy. You know, like we we would play some shows and stuff, but like there just wasn't enough going on. And um, I remember really liking new york and i was just like how can i get out to new york um and then i was like well maybe i need to go back to school and so like on a lark i just applied to film school at nyu i was taking some classes at lacc and i got in and i was like fuck it i'm gonna do this and so like we recorded the last titari record played the last titari shows at the smell in the valley and um like uh chris hathwell and uh, jimmy hay came to the show 
and they were like, oh, you, you, you should you should look up these dudes in Black Dice because uh-huh. they're really cool. And like I had heard of the show at like the PCH Club and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, these guys sound awesome. I, I, I didn't go to the shows or anything about her about them. Not that awesome. Like, I was just, I didn't have a car, like, at that time, so, like, I couldn't just go to a show, you yeah. know, if I wanted to, so, like, but I, I remember hearing about it that night, like, because all these people went to, I think, like, uh, <laughs> Jimmy and Chris went, and, um, and so, yeah, so I, I, I got to NYU, and, and, and I was just, like, walking around the campus, I didn't know anyone, I had these guys' phone number in my pocket, but I hadn't called them yet, and I saw there was, like, a Black Dice show at NYU, and I was like, oh, sick, I'll go check it out, and um, I did, and it was fucking awesome, and, like, I just, I had I had a blast, like, I was just, like, I haven't been to a show where, like, I just had, like, a smile on my face, because I was just, it made me feel like, like, the first, like, hardcore show I ever went to, you know, yeah. like, it just, like, I just didn't know if I was gonna get hit by a microphone, yeah. or, like, you know, like, it was, it was just really fun, and, like, NYU, the show is super whack, like, it's just, like, a student center, it's not, uh-huh. not cool in any way at all, so, like, it was a pretty wild show for like you know being in the student center and stuff um and so uh just said hey what's up i'm friends with jimmy and chris athwell yeah and, you know we just started hanging out like i i like i didn't like have a place to live when i moved out there i was just like <laughs> staying at this like girl's cousin's house and like like i, I rented a couch for like a hundred dollars a week or something like that <laughs> really yeah like you can do that yeah yeah and like but then but then what happened is then like like that the dude who actually lived in the place like came home and was like what the fuck you're out now and so like i had to just move out like one day's notice yeah and i was like walking around the village i was like i didn't know anybody i didn't have anywhere to go and um hisham used to work at this like used clothing store and uh, I stopped in there, and I was just like, oh, yeah, I don't have a place to stay. He's like, oh, you can stay at my place. And, um, and so Bjorn lived there, and it was like this big loft in, in Brooklyn. Yeah. And, um, and so they let me stay, like, that night, and I just stayed there for, like, six months or I'd something like that. I'd been there once. I don't know what the Locust was doing, but I remember going there in the morning and to, I don't know what it was. You weird. walked in through a garage, and then there was the yeah big tiger painted on yeah. the wall. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember that, but I do remember just going there once. Yeah, I wonder what that... We lucked into that. And so Aaron showed, we met him, and then like a couple days later, he showed up with a shopping cart with all of his shit. Oh, yeah. And then our old bass player quit. He and quit because it was joined. like, he quit because like, he hated the violent thing, right? Or was that what? No, it, was? it mostly just was like, didn't want to leave his lady. Oh. Um, and didn't, I think he was happier when he's just like painting uh-huh. all day. Um, so I remember the last tour we did with him, he was just like, I miss <laughs> he was just like sad and lonely the yeah. whole time. And then I think he missed a couple practices. And so we had a call with him. And then Aaron joined basically within like five minutes yeah. of that. He was just sort <laughs> yeah. of like, I wouldn't mind. I could, I, could, I could maybe play bass on a couple <laughs> of these things. So it just happened yeah. super effortlessly and then the fact that he kind of that we had already met you and he already knew Sonny and like there was and knew Chris and how did how did you guys know like Chris and and, and I mean you obviously we you know you knew him but like how did you guys know those guys and like Jimmy Hay we knew Jimmy because of Tristeza oh yeah we played a show with Tristeza oh in yeah DC. He, was, he was he was played so something in that he played bass in it for a minute I think yeah, right? yeah. yeah and I, it, it was we, a weird fucking show yeah. I don't think he was getting along 
with the band at the time. Classic. And I feel yeah. like <laughs> yeah. and he kind of took a shine to us. And, and then I think the... So we met him there. Was Jimmy like, Hay was kind of like a Mario Rumkaba too. You're like, oh, you can do all these instruments and you just yeah. rip it everything. Yeah, like, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Well, he basically... I think, I think we had only hung out with him that one time and then the next time we came out here... I don't remember if you remember we like drank all this cough syrup. Oh yeah, and you barfed. Everywhere. That was Jimmy. That yeah. was not us. That was like we drank a bunch of Del. Oh, this is a good story because it was a, it's a, the the house. It, it's funny because there's a book written about that house called Locust House, which is kind of weird because it's, it wasn't really. I was I think I was the only person. Man, other people in Locust did live in there, but it wasn't really like the Locust House. Yeah. But whatever. So, but it's funny because Jimmy Hay was dating my roommate and and. And I think he he like passed out at her door and and barfed uh, uh, whatever that what were you guys it was like it was Delsum. yeah that so was... he barfed and it like went under the door <laughs> so his, so his ex just like opens the door and there's like barf and Jimmy and like you guys well it just seemed like a bad idea in you retrospect barfed, right? everything about Everybody it was, barfed I barfed <laughs> I was up the whole night and I remember like it took it felt like it took like an hour to get down the hallway yeah to the bathroom because yeah. there was a lot of just sort of like <laughs> yeah. bracing and stuff I was convinced that Eric was dead the... that's right you woke me up like every time yeah are you okay <laughs> and then jimmy had that was the thing he's like i heard you guys like robotussin so we're just like i guess so yeah we do and and so we drove him to a pharmacy i'm guessing he just went in and grabbed everything i don't think it was he shelled out 60 dollars for cost yeah. uh but i just remember being at that house and not like I know JP, but I don't know yeah. any of these other dudes. No we're one the, gave a shit. We were the except only ones that weren't Jimmy's like ex. in black and white. Yeah. Also, like yeah. that, like we would come here and we'd be in colors. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> but I remember Jimmy. Just, I remember hearing him puking in the middle of the night and just being like, "This guy seemed pretty nice, but yeah, there's no way I can even get my ass up to check. Yeah, roll this guy over. But I, just, I do remember where he was like curled up, like in front of Christine or Chris, yeah, Christine. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember he had puke in his hair. And then yeah. he rolled with us because we were still tripping the next. So I Jimmy, like Jimmy Hay, I mean, I don't think you knew him, but mm-hmm. he was a fucking weird one. I, I love that guy. Yeah, yeah. But he's even weirder now. But he was so <laughs> weird. Like, he would shave his entire body, and he didn't live in my house. He lived downstairs. But he'd come into my fucking bathroom and be in there for hours shaving everything. Dude, long showers. Yeah. Because yeah. we, we, he lived in New York uh, when, like, the rapture came out. Oh, yeah. And because, like, I was staying at their place, and then and then they started staying there, too. And like, uh, yeah, he'd be, we'd be like, all right, let's go out. Like, you know, and we'd be like, have some plans or whatever. And like, dude, like an hour well, the, and a the, half. That shower. shower was also in the kitchen, basically, too. <laughs> so it's sort of, you're just Why sitting there. Just like, everything. Just, just go, dude. Like, get out of my bathroom. But, it, but I do remember when he was with Tristeza, they, they played in, in Berkeley with, I don't think they played with the Locust, but we were up there. And I just remember seeing, they were supposed to pl- go on and like I don't know what drug he did and, and maybe maybe <laughs> you guys would know I wish I knew what drug he was on because like this is fucking hilarious because he couldn't get across the street and he was crawling and there was like cars honking at him and he's like help and, like just fucking stand up and walk dude it's like two lane two lane street you know and I was like good luck playing bass in a fucking I mean that music was pretty complicated you know like I was like good luck you can't even walk across the fucking two lanes of the street that's awesome but that's Jimmy yeah. A we, we, yeah he's DJing tomorrow night I'm yeah, so I saw, yeah. yeah it's, it's he, he no. transcended and went like yeah. he got all like woo woo and, and, and in a cool weird yeah, way yeah no he's, uh, he's taking a proactive stance on some of his yeah. Yeah. His stuff, but he was definitely one of the first 
kind of West Coast people that took a shine to us and then yeah. we got along with really well and then you guys mentioned the rapture which i completely forgot about because there was like a, a link between like i mean they you guys knew all the rapture guys and then they were you know luke was from san diego yeah i yeah, played with luke. the calculators a bunch of times what which who who from was that luke was in luke, luke, both luke, and, luke and vita they're in the calculators or were they in from la carpet Carpet. carpet. Oh, yeah. Maybe they're not in the calculators. Carpet maybe, was a maybe great, that's a great maybe name for That's some serious sure. 90s shit right but, there. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just like... Yeah. No, there's a calculator. Is that right? Am I right? I'm sure there's a band called The Calculator. Sure there there is. No, no, yeah. there is. Yeah. I'm just... Now I'm not... Now I'm questioning if they're in that band or not. Well, and then either way, yeah, like... Um, I think so. Fuck, I don't think The Calculators was, but... but um, the Rapture had the GS or the Gravity, Sentiment. yeah, maybe and that's, the GSL link new. too. I think the only thing no, that's LA. I think we didn't know them when they moved out to the west to the east coast. Like we knew Jimmy, he was playing drums. We had a show booked with them in Providence. So Jimmy Hay was in the Rapture too. Yeah, he was playing bass, but he was Damn. in the Rapture playing bass. Huh. Yeah, what I say, drums. Yeah. Um. Just so like, then those guys just as just ended up staying there's a lot of bands that i don't think had places to stay when they came to new york and ended up crashing yeah there because i think it's rough there chick, chick, you don't live chick, like chick, fucking yeah. roaches you know yeah. like it's just like oh you can sleep in that corner well i don't know how kids do it now at least that place was big enough that you could have like a band staying in one half of the apartment and it wasn't going to be a total it wouldn't fuck up everyone's life yeah live there yeah. but so yeah that that was how we met Met those those dudes, although never had any musical. Um, there we, played, was no... we played some shows. <clears throat> oh, we played lots of shows. Yeah, we yeah. Did like a tour. But it, that was just because we were friends. I would say that was more because of friends than feeling like we were on the same page. Oh yeah. But then that was also like, like why we like got on DFA. got on DFA because they were working at DFA already. But your DFA stuff, what? Correct me if I'm wrong. It was like the, it was like a depart. You departed from hardcore. It was like not as abrasive, right? Yeah. yeah, it was a really abrasive live. I mean, I think some of the recordings make it sound like it was super. Can we talk about how you guys go about doing all that shit? Because I remember, um, I mean, seeing you guys play was awesome, and and trying to figure out how you um, re recreate the album. And then I remember, for whatever reason, you guys had a rehearsal space at Downtown Rehearsal in LA. Oh yeah, for a little bit. With yeah, you guys. and. With with retox wasn't it? yeah, but you never were there, and I was never there either. Because yeah, here. We would but go you got us the spot, I think. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I remember going like... in. Into the, we had rehearsal once, and I remember all of your gear being there. And I, 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 I probably am imagining this wrong. I feel like it was like in a box that said, or maybe someone told me that it was black dice, but it, it was like this box of just like tons of pedals and it was just looked like a fucking disaster and I was like what how do they use all this shit man this is crazy like the more most pedals I've ever seen in a box and it looked all fucked up and like I don't know all of our gear is not we can't resell any piece of equipment that that's we so use. cool though they just get covered with shit and tape residue and broken knobs and but that's what it, you should, it says you're doing you're, you're doing it justice right I think Eric and I could step up the, the investing in ourselves part of life we don't buy ourselves anything I don't think, I don't think we've bought a piece of gear for like 20 years that's like, so cool at all. Eric the other uh. like two weeks before you came out he's like oh yeah so I pawned my mixer no I didn't yeah. <laughs> that makes me sound bad I left it oh, you, said, you straight up said you pawned it and I was like how much can you get for a fucking 10 year old Mackie mixer half the knobs it. broken with a missing, no, missing foundation sticker on the, the front of it like the 
I mean, you couldn't even trade that for a bag of weed to like the most down and out. I, didn't, I just didn't. I couldn't. I couldn't pack it in. Like I was taking an airplane. It was too heavy. I had to choose wisely. Eric complains if he has to bring anything on. Uh, just just right now. Just right now. Well, what kind of gear do you use then? A mixer. <laughs> That's honestly like now. I have a sampler, like one of those four hundred fours, and I have this kind of shitty uh, rack mount delay. That there's something in the wiring that I like. You like can't, it, you'll never be able to find the same thing again. I, you know, it's. I've tried it with like the <clears throat> pedal version, and it doesn't do the same. Like if I do fit, mixer feedback, it gives it like this different tone than if I use, I've used other things. So unfortunately, I'm sort of wed to that, which is the biggest pain in the ass because it is just like a big old like late mid '90s maybe. Uh-huh. I also think anytime we've taken the initiative and we're just like, I'm just gonna have someone build me exactly what I want. Yeah. It fucking backfires in the end. Like, it doesn't work. Or, like, Aaron had this road case built that, like, in his mind was, like, this perfect thing. It's just, you just put it on the keyboard, so you open it up, everything's years. plugged in. Yeah. Power amp is right here. Yeah. Years in the making. It never works. It contracted just, this It weighed, like, 80 it. pounds, but only uh, the weight was all on one side. So uh-huh. you try to pick it up with somebody else, and it yeah, just would, like, you. rip your fucking hand <laughs> off, basically. And I think the first time we tried to take it, anywhere was to europe yeah so got, got to the airport and they were just like this is gonna be like 150 dollars to get this because you're not using a bass anymore huh oh yeah. no haven't for a long time yeah, yeah. but you still you still have a guitar is that the only like i just got a new one i've been i sold all my guitars a long time ago so it's and guitar then... and then just all like effects and, and, and guitars a couple samplers mixer feedback microphones. vocals it's really like it's dumbed down yeah. in i mean when i when we see friends setups the, the what we have is so primitive but it's what we know how to use and i mean and again it's like mostly what has been gifted i kind of miss to using us. the electronics i feel like i feel like most of the time it's to get it really tight you know uh-huh. it's like you have a drum machine and it never loses the the bpm or whatever I don't think we use electronics though. No. Like, yeah. I feel like we're kind of like cobbling everything together. Yeah, everything's synced up in theory, but it's like you're triggering everything manually. So and, and so does it change like from night to night? There's a we'll lot. See. Yeah, there's a lot of. Uh, yeah, it changes from every time. <laughs> every time we play it. Yeah. It does not. It, it's like it's like we took like the session of the song and just like farmed out all these little bits and pieces to everyone, and it's like you play the bass and I'll play the drums on this like loop, you know, oh, it's yeah. like no one does that, you yeah. know, because it's like dumb, you know, but it's, but it's also cause it's kind of fun. Cause it's like, it's so hard to do, you know? And so it's well, like, it, it, it feels like you're playing a bass still, you know, yeah. cause, cause you can fuck up and it sounds wrong. You know what uh. I mean? Cause like a lot of times when you're playing like sequence music, you do, you can't ever fuck up. Oh yeah. You're just hitting play. Yeah. Know? Wow. I mean, Luke does that. He uses two of the NPCs and it's kind of, yeah. People get pretty psyched the fact that he has two, but it but it is funny. Like if he gets a little drunk, it's like, oh, you're kind of fucking up. I feel like it's amazing how different everyone's approach is to using mm-hmm. NPCs. Like, because I, mean, I I have no understanding really of how. I mean, I know what they can do, but I feel like get used to how Aaron goes about making music or his contributions for the band. And then you'll watch some like YouTube tutorial with some like twelve year old mm-hmm. hip hop kid who just like, Oh, it's easy, you just gotta do this and <laughs> or I guess there'd been all those Jay Dilla ones about how he Yeah, he's the master of the, the non quantized. But it's like how you said uh 
you would think in theory that everything is going to sync up and everything's going to go perfect, but it's, if I hit the wrong, <laughs> it fucks the whole song up. I, I have yeah. a problem on, I don't use that, but like you can link the internal effects to like multiple pads on mine. Mm -hmm. But if you pick the wrong one that's like slightly longer, it changes the rate. So it yeah. kind of makes it shitty for both like what you're using, what you're trying to use, yeah. and you're like, oh. And when you're in there, you can't. Hold on. Someone recently, or the other day, was kept turning the trip in the fuse for uh, our room when we were practicing. We have yeah. we're having neighbor problems, and uh, just having to sit there and wait for the thing to reload because you didn't shut it down properly is yeah. fucking annoying. That the first time I ever got uh, watched a band. Go through that like experience. <laughs> some was Men's Recovery Project, and I remember it was at oh the fucking library, Hunting Beach Library, uh -huh. and a friend of mine, I won't na name her name, she walked by and unplugged Neil's stuff, nice. and they couldn't reboot it or whatever. I don't know exactly <laughs> oh, what he was dude. playing through. Oh my god! So I, there's a video of it on YouTube. It's great. And he's like, "Fuck it, traditional hardcore band, you know." And they played like their their other set, you know, like the Gravity uh, set. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, which I, which everybody was psyched on regardless, but it was like, what? How did that happen? Just because it got unplugged, they can't play any of their shit. Well, there was like a, a real adjustment period where people had to... I think I always had the incorrect assumption that like anybody that was using computers or samplers or any of these things, that, that it was somehow like a cheat. Unless you're that, a DJ. Yeah, but then once you start fucking with this stuff, you realize like there's like a total skill set. To well, doing these things, it's not just sort of like a brainless band member that you lug in and out yeah. but I unless think for, you're steve aoki dude that guy can perform with pies and surfboards <laughs> and all kinds of shit he never misses a beat no <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah uh, i mean that stuff it i mean i have i think i have a different sympathy for anybody playing music uh -huh. at the moment i mean i felt like when like old bands that are still plugging away like maybe 10 years ago i would have just been like what's the point yeah. you guys suck and now i'm just sort of like well whatever it's their life and you like if they're that's trying what, something yeah and if yeah. that's what gets you off is yeah. playing then I, I i support that or like watching bands completely tank because of like a power yeah thing i mean i think in the past i would have had a dick attitude the last time I saw you guys play was at that Eagle Rock Center. I forgot. Oh yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. We were having NPC problems yeah. with that. Yeah. But I remember like one. We were. I yeah. remember you guys getting pissed at your cell or the set. But I was like, let me just. I want to just get up there and look at everything. What the fuck's happening? You know, I just. <laughs> but I, you know, I, I just wanted to like wrap my head around it. So I'm excited to see you guys play. It's just stealing little bits. What? It's stealing little bits <laughs> off of YouTube, pitching them down or pitching oh, yeah. them up, <laughs> hit and play at the right time. So, that sounds yeah. familiar. <laughs> yeah. Dude, YouTube has changed the game as far as... You can get any kind of sound. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a good sound library, to be sure. It might explain Funky our... drum. Yep. <laughs> I like funky bass synth parts, where you just go to some dude who lives with his mom. She just He just makes tutorials on this oh, stuff, yeah. and you can just be like, that sounds pretty good. Yeah. That bass hear echo in his room. Yeah. It's like, oh, take it. <laughs> no, it's fucking great for that. But that was, that was 13 years ago. Or no, that was in 2013, I think. Was, the, was that the last time we played LA? Like, 
Yeah. On we tour? Played, we played LA seven years ago. One well, year? I mean... But that no. was the last time in the van. Yeah, when we were in New York. Yeah, sure. Because, I mean, I still have photos of you and I up on that. That was the one where we got all those... That covered in that fungus. <laughs> oh, the tour? Yeah. Because yeah. I remember... Eric and I got this fungus that just was mean. I don't know what covered the entire body. It spelled out Eric's initials across his chest, like just these mutant, like fungi, fungi letters. It's happened twice to me. Wow. <clears throat> but I remember one time on my leg. Also, it was some fung or that was ringworm, and it said E A C. What the hell? Didn't feel right. The second time <laughs> felt more wrong. <laughs> I was just like, mm. well, you've had the fungus twice, and it spelled out your initials on you. Yeah, That's but not not like a unclearly like it was and, and e is pretty specific you know like yeah, yeah, a, yeah, C. yeah it was all happening what the fuck i, I remember looking it. at comparing them on the roof of of the eagle rock place oh yeah so this was your first show then tonight yeah dude i mean it's like uh aaron and i i mean eric's played a ton of shows solo oh and yeah then aaron and i played a handful of shows just the two of us but this is the last Black Dice show was in, like, 2018, probably. Oh, that wasn't that long ago. Yeah, then. we played at PS1 in New York, and we played in L.A. And um, and that's, like, when we, you know, we were working on the record at that time. I mean, we've been writing the tunes very slowly, you know, for a number of years now. You know, collecting the material. And just, you know, us not living in the same city has just slowed things down sure. a lot. And So what do you guys think, like... I don't know like what would you do like how how do I say this like what's Black Dice now I mean it's, it's still the same but like is it another are you guys going in like another direction or it's just you have middle aged dicks yeah. just trying <laughs> to hold it together <laughs> I think it's a way more casual approach personally like I just want it to I just want us to get through it the way we know how I don't have any expectations like yeah about yeah. Yeah, but what were our expect? Are your expectations in the back in the day? You know, I don't think I ever had any. I was just like, as yeah, long they, as we. You yeah. want like good shows. That's a realistic expectation. You're like, I want people to show up. I want to get paid pretty well. I'd love to have like, not douchebags at the show. Yeah, you know, like, there was a backstage. At yeah, the like venue. I have it feel like a rad party. You know, like yeah. those. I feel like felt important. Now I'm just like, I just hope we get to the show <laughs> hope, it wraps early. hope everything just... turns on and yeah. oh it's an early one yeah. I feel like the reviews for this record basically could be applied to any other record we did like people still write about it like it's the weirdest sounding music they've ever heard and cool. at this point I don't really see how that's possible we've been doing basically the same thing yeah, we were listening to the radio on the way down. It was strange music. Well, yeah. that was because that one song was cutting out the whole time, so it just sounded like this really abstract <laughs> electronic beat. But that but, that Sammy Hagar song was strange. But, yeah, Mas was... Tequila, you know? Oh no! So yeah. fucking, it was so what, long. What, what, why were you guys listening to that? We just have the radio. I don't know. We had. Yeah, I had listened to the radio for a long ass yeah. time. So it was it was it was a trip. But then we heard no doubt. Sublime. Yeah, we heard Lana Del Rey. Sublime station. We man. wanted to get get the pulse of San Diego. Local, local so flavors. figured. Can I just say fuck off? <laughs> <laughs> Is no doubt from San Diego? Orange County. Yeah. Yeah. There's a yeah, they're definitely like Anaheim or something or I don't know what That's where Chain Reaction is, right? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> but they saw some shows at Chain Reaction. Uh maybe. 
Yeah, I'm playing really? there tomorrow. I oh, saw really? that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's, that's oh, killer. I haven't played there in, I don't even know how long. Like, it's been quite a while. It's crazy how many places are still around that. They they were, like, gone, and now they're back somehow. Which... Is it the same space? Yeah, I think oh, so. Well. Yeah. But they did a lot, don't they do kind of, like, a lot of, like, emo? Probably. Sort of. That's, like, the worst. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. The, the emo like thing was just sort of, like, the worst part of the 90s yeah i feel like and that probably both of our bands got stuck playing with occasionally oh where you're just way like, too occasionally yeah where you're just like, this <laughs> sucks like this is the worst shit this guy's crying on stage yeah. doesn't need a mic because he can scream so passionately without Dude. it like, that sort of shit was we i think we both played shows with those kind of bands like together they like, were never psyched on us like why sure. were they playing with black dice and the locust that's not it's not fair to us. <laughs> Who was the band from Phoenix that was really Sia Cortez? When we played with those dudes, it was before my time. But I, I, I also Sia played Cortez. with those. That dudes. was sort of like yeah. maybe that's not super emo-y, but it seemed like there was a lot of like oh, kind of mathy with like a lot of big emotional peaks yeah. and valleys. Even just a little tiny bit of emo seems like a lot of emo. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit goes a long way. It's a potent flavor. Yeah, but it's kind of weird because then there's like the term screamo, and I fucking cringe at that shit. And I'm, yeah, that was cringy. I I mean those, I I guess bands that I was in fits into that category. I'm like, what the fuck? When we were doing that, it didn't exist. But like Aaron Montaigne, he just embraces that term and like he calls everything screamo. And I'm like, dude, are you fucking kidding me? Like, you're never gonna hear me say like, yeah, I'm a, I was in a screamo band. Like he'll just say he was in. He said like Antioch Arrow was like screamo. Dude, I would never say that. That's that, I mean, I would never say that about Antioch Arrow. Yeah, is what I'm saying. I get why. <laughs> I mean, wait, like, just because, like, they're so beyond that. You yeah, know, they're so weird. Yeah. They're such a. Just. I mean, I think that like that probably was a starting point to where it mutated. You know, unfortunately, mutated to like that kind of music. Well, I think a lot it. of people when they started out in sort of hardcore or in, like within the hardcore scene, even though their tastes were expanding. Like and you you knew that there were these bands that were not listening to hardcore music, but they were still playing those sorts of shows. Felt like it took a while to like fully break out of out of like all the trappings of hardcore stuff. You know what I mean? So you had bands that were essentially hardcore bands, but there would be some little tweak to it that made it seem a little more fucked. Like that band, uh, Total Shutdown. A Total Shutdown. Uh, This is the one from Good Band down here. Go go go. Go go go. Like Go 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 Earhart seemed like that kind of band where it's like you could tell they're listening to Can and Yeah. Uh This Heat and all this sort of stuff, but that <clears> it still feels like it's being made by hardcore. It just took long to break out of it. Yeah. If you did it too fast you wouldn't be able to get a show anywhere. <laughs> um, I mean it's it's totally true. Uh huh. Felt like we would have changed faster. That you would have wanted respect. to, or like at the time you would, you thought about it, but you had. Well, to compared kinda... to those bands that we mentioned from Providence, I felt like kind of square by uh. comparison. Like I mean, those were all dudes who had been in bands for a long ass. And they, time, and they were like so. already doing weird shit. Right yeah, away. they were like effortlessly doing weird stuff, and yeah. I was not able to play music well enough to do. Like it would have felt like cheating to. I didn't know how to play well enough to make the decision to yeah. play. Well, I, I always tripped out, like, on that Providence side of things, like, where I would see Drop Dead and Airborne Radar, who liked each other a lot and were friends and played a lot, and you're like, and Drop Dead's, like, a 
classical, like classic, traditional, you know, yeah. hardcore. And then Airborne Radar was like the most fucked up thing ever. And 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 it was like it made sense for them. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. So you can be weird or normal or whatever you want to call yeah. it, and and be. I don't want to say the word successful, but like you know, like function and and have people like you uh, or enjoy you. You know, well, I think also in a smaller town, maybe that's like more possible because you don't. There's not like such a massive music community. Mm. Which which, there, which is a lot like really... San Diego because we could do whatever we wanted here. Yeah, I watched that San Diego documentary pretty recently. Uh, it's gonna blow. I think that's yeah. what it's called. Which is which is cool too, but also and and that guy is my the director is a friend of mine. And I and I think it's a good film, but but it is really like it is really like rocking the crib, John Reese kind of. But like you know they're like oh Gravity Records and then they're gone and you're like no like we should really do yeah, the whole. I thought that would be like. 20, 30 minutes of the world it, is waiting for that documentary the gravity records yeah one. yeah i mean dude i watched the heck is, out of that is matt still in san diego yeah i figured maybe you got we guys would hit him up or something i haven't talked with uh, him in I'll, years the only time i think i met him he was super nice but he wanted to come out to providence to record us when he was like i want to do a, the record aka a seven inch yeah and he's like i want to come out record you guys but i've just heard so many stories that were seemed like maybe he was in a complicated life place at the moment. Oh, so, you mean with drugs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it just sort of seemed like yeah. maybe it's better to get somebody local to record us. And it was, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. At the time, it was just sort of like it's like I heard about that dude. He did this. He did this. You know the oh, some of that's that's true. I I kind of felt yeah. like it. I don't really know who listens to this. So I don't want <laughs> yeah. to really call yeah. out everybody. I think everybody's fine. That like it, maybe they've come to terms with it. You know. Yeah. But um, you're talking about the Brett Frost story. Is that the one where there's like a yeah the shotgun yeah yeah broken knee caps and all that yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's a real story. <laughs> that was the that was the one where it's like I don't know if I want this dude to stay with me. Yeah. <laughs> I also didn't want him to realize that I couldn't play guitar. Like, if the guy who's putting the record out came out and saw that it took me, like, three hours to go, like, do three chords, then he might withdraw his his offer. So that was the other one where I was like, I don't want this dude kneecapping my brother. Or, uh, and then I don't want him to realize that, like... Well, if you don't steal his heroin, you won't kneecap anybody, but there's that. That's true. I always forget that. But it's, it is kind of funny because Gravity or Matt and that world had its... Um, you know stories and and so did you guys so that's fine it's kind of funny that like it all half of it's always true i mean there's always like even like the mike crane stories you know like that fucking guy <laughs> he he hit me up when i like we were gonna do a festival of dead deer record and he's like he called me he's like i need 500 bucks we're at the studio right now like recording and i was like what and then this is like i mean i was maybe 22 and i was like 500 dollars like I mean, okay, but that's a lot of money, you know. And then for you to a, smoke. a few minutes later, you know, yeah, Chris Hathaway's like, you, "You talked to Mike lately?" And I'm like, "Yeah, he just said you guys are recording." And he's like, "He fucking stole all our gear and pawned it and left the Michigan and this and that and like, you know, well, it was all, you know, I was like, oh, I didn't send him any money, but it's just crazy that like <laughs> someone that I was friends with was trying to dupe me for 500 bucks to go shoot dope, you know, or buy dope. So. Yeah. yeah, luckily, <laughs> we were grateful that or grateful, we didn't have I, any of those. I'm I'm grateful that like folks have made it through that. You know, no like, shit. It's fucking awesome to see Mike now. You yeah, know, and yeah. just be like, dude, I didn't think like he was gonna make it. You yeah, know, or yeah. like Jason from Gitari yeah. did not think that dude was gonna make it. But like, he's just like a solid dude. Yeah. you know, like living his life. Yep. 
It's totally, it's a, it's a nice, it's nice to see that. But all you guys, when you were at that MacArthur Park place, I thought, I mean, I just, (laughs) I was weird, but like, I was like, you guys are all going to (laughs) die for many different reasons, you know? I didn't know that place was MacArthur Park. Oh, dude, it was so sketchy. So, so sketchy down there. I mean, I wouldn't, it's fucking scummy as shit there now. It's funny because there was the, the fashion, um, Oh yeah, Play, you know, the, yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's Otis. Otis, yeah. Yeah, it was so wild because when I lived there, you know, because I had gone to some college, but I was dropped out at that time, and I would see the art students walking around, and yeah. I'd be like, I wish I could be friends with these yeah. people because they seem so cool. <laughs> yeah. and, but there's like no. They weren't that cool though. I don't think. Well, there's just no community there. Uh-huh. You, like you can't just be like a person on the street and like you know make friends with something. Like it's just there was no overlap whatsoever. What do you think? Like. Where do you? Because I I don't know where you felt you fit in, at, at the when you were like, you know, on the other like when you were like more of a hardcore band. Like, but now where do you fit in? Like, who are your comrades musically or, or um, I think musically our comrades now are just fuckers we've known, like you for twenty plus years. Yeah. Where you, I mean, most of our best, our closest musical allies are over twenty years old at this point. I mean. Yeah, I don't need to. I don't need to like it. I just want the support, and vice versa. I like. I don't. I don't. I'd rather have somebody do what they want to do. As a as a friend, and I'll support that. I'll I'll show up at the fucking show. But But what about that's a good a good point because I don't remember who we had on our one of our previous podcasts, but we were saying that like. Like, I would like your band, and I liked your band before I met you guys, but after we became friends, I'm like, I really like the band now. And I, so, it, you know, it, like, strengthens that, you know? I mean, I, I do think, like, I, I don't think, I mean... It's I like guess a I, restaurant. It's like, I don't have to love my friend's restaurant, but sometimes you got to throw some money their way, or a bar or something. Like, yeah. Like, I don't really want to go to a bar, honestly. Like, I'd rather sit on a rooftop or whatever but yeah but if i'm gonna spend my money and i'm gonna spend my like emotions somewhere i kind of choose that way now and i i you know not every place is the best not every band is the best and i don't think we have any you know like place in the record store with a bunch of other people yeah i guess that's kind of we haven't fit in very well anywhere but those are the best bands yes i'm like maybe like the like the, the like big failures I feel like you know like the, like a Faust or something where it's like their perseverance has made them successful but like because we I mean we were kind of weird we had like the ability to spend money that wasn't ours and wasn't like to make records and tour and stuff yeah yeah I mean it's you know we've had opportunities that are surprising in hindsight that somebody would trust us or 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 even want to invest knowing what we can provide in return you know yeah. yourself every- included actually yeah. fuck man you spent yeah, that was an that, expensive single yeah that single i feel like took especially oh, that at was, that time was like it seemed like a ton of this the one money the and work one, but and it, it was okay so it never it made was any time money, right it was a lot of no we never broke even ever but the, the point is <laughs> the point was like I loved you guys and I was like let's do a record and and I'll and I'll do whatever you want and then you had I don't know how we came up with the idea, but it was basically like this, those like kids books with Star yeah. Wars. And it was, that was the thing. I was like, this is an art project and I'm not trying to join your band, obviously, but it felt like I'm going to be part of this fucking thing. That's going to be so sick. Well, I felt like we had to come up with something cause you 301G had done a lot of inventive packaging 
Which we which we were influenced by gravity though. Yeah. All the shit Matt was doing. But he had kinda like He had his own like uh We printed that whole record, your guys' whole record, where he, gravity existed, like at the print shop. What like, was that place called? Custom printing. Oh yeah, yeah. It's still there. And and Vaughn was great, the guy that that, that that does it, but but it was he was like, All right, let's do this thing. And a lot of it, we kind of like we we kind of figured out like the fucking gluing of of the little flap oh, the was tabs, that was the, the worst that was the worst part. But collating, <laughs> stapling, like it was all set up. And that, you know what? I'd like buy my friends like all right, everyone pizza and and like we're gonna put these records together. You know, yeah, that's like, awesome. That's yeah. super cool. Yeah, that I just felt like the when we did the single with Matt, he was like, anything you want to do for pack. Like yeah. I didn't, I'd never made a cover for a record before. So, like, I didn't have any, like, creative ideas. He basically was just like, how about we do this, and then I'll hit it with a That was weird. It had, those, it had the little notches in it. Yeah. Like, um, <laughs> That's but, cool. But, yeah, he had a darker aesthetic overall, like, uh, I guess in general. Um, but we, I don't know, we lucked out. People love that single, too, the 3-1-G one. I mean, it was next level. The only the only problem I had was that, like, at that time, we were still, like, the the like, what is it called? Like the like the, the influence of, of like Discord and 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 Ebullition, where like we couldn't sell a seven inch, like people were like eight bucks, what yeah. the fuck? And you're like, it's a forty page, full color book <laughs> with this cover that was glued every single one by me. Like, just fucking give me nine bucks, you know? Yeah. And and it, I think we we. There might be a few in our web store, but I think it's it's pretty much gone now. Yeah. Like, which is which is surprising, but also like, um, people just didn't want to pay that much for two songs. I think I think we got it. Like when 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 we we're in 2013, I think I got a box from you on tour. Like when know. we played. Oh yeah, you still had some. Yeah, but that and was we sold some. Yeah, I mean that. I mean. Uh, that was like the end of it and and you know 3-1-G had distribution problems and stuff but even with that like pe- like we couldn't figure out how to like market it so like most distributors it would just say like 7 inch and it would be listed as like this expensive 7 inch and at the time <laughs> nine, you know 8 or 9 bucks yeah. in, in like early 2000s people were like what the fuck and so we couldn't even get stores to take it and you're like you gotta <laughs> list it as a book too I guess you know or something what was the most expensive record you guys did that probably was one of them, but then we did that Crimson Curse Festival Dead Deer Square seven inch. Oh yeah, which was like the cost of an LP cut down to a square, mm. and then you had to sell it for five bucks. And you're like, well, that sucks. You know? <laughs> and then we did a Locust Jenny Piccolo five inch picture disc, which was pretty expensive. I had that one too. So, out of out of all of, I mean, now I can't do that anymore. I mean, we do like cool packaging and stuff. We actually the 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 designer that um that three one G works with for most of our stuff now, um this guy Brandon McMahon ha- has done the craziest shit to the Def Club seven inch. But it's kind of like silk screening on a one sided seven inch. Uh-huh. But he has this this printer that um. I mean, so he would, pr- you know, it's clear he'd print the lyrics and then he'd print print white and then he then he print the like image, but the the printing on it was done by this machine and so when you when you look at it, there's like texture and 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 you can see the image. I don't know, it's weird. Like you, like when you see it, you want to put it on your wall. You know, you're like, huh. this is fucking not something you listen to. This is some weird shit that you that you would. That like. sounds awesome. But again, it's like it's a seven inch. You can't sell it for. 
more than ten bucks. Well, now now you can. Now, I mean, now yeah. you can sell anything. Now when for you're anything. like a, a new hardcore band, I was like, I'm not buying this shit. You know, like whatever. Dude, shit, what people pay for records now is. Yeah, but if you're cool, people yeah. will pay a lot for it. But if you're not, like, no one, I'm not cool, and no one knew that it was, like, a cool band. We definitely ain't moving units either, so, the, uh, <laughs> yeah. That's why we always, fun. like, always stick together. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but, I mean, there's some people, I guess uh, everyone's been doing this long enough that you have certain friends that seem like they took one route and other, you know, for me, the Wolf Eyes guys seem like they never strayed away from this sort of, like, we just make a bunch of these and then sell them, and there's a market for this shit you know like people will pay thirty dollars for a cassette that you glue the <sighs> fucking shoe to and that's where you paint it on top of and stuff. yeah but i don't know how did you just come many. up with that or did they do that i think that actually was maybe carolina had i think i had a carolina rainbow record that had like a shoe mm. glued it to was it. like a pizza box with like a shoe uh-huh. glued to but like wolf eyes was a weird one because it's like how did you get it in, onto sub pop like what the fuck how did that happen? i don't know how that happened that yeah. was great though that but like brutal Did. noise music, like yeah. pretty mean sounding shit, you know. Well, I think after September 11th, like people were all of a sudden open to more left of center. We played Coachella shit. with uh, the Locust played Coachella right after them, and I remember watching them play Wolf Eyes, and it was like it was almost like watching like a like I was like in Mad Max or something, you know. It was just like fucking apocalyptic, and there was like all this dirt and bunch of dudes. It bunch just, of dudes in the dirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At Coachella when it was like still kind of decent, I guess. We never got, we never played there. Um, we did projections for Animal Collective at that time. But yeah, I mean, they to me, they don't seem like they ever tried to stray. For us, I feel like there was periods where we were getting enough attention media-wise and getting asked to play like sort of more and more mainstream music festivals and things like that that I think on some weird level we thought like I don't know I guess I thought that certain things that happened for other friends like who became independently wealthy from their bands uh-huh. like the, it almost seemed like possible for like this short moment and then so you mean like stray but not artistically stray just stray as far as like your options and, and as a as like a career I guess I don't know it seemed like we were all of a sudden having opportunities that most people that played music that was as fucked up as ours did not get whether that was just because we were in New York and mm. friends with the right people or what it was, but there did seem like there was this moment where it seemed like it made sense that something like Wolf Eyes or Us would be eventually playing on like Letterman yeah. or playing like a big festival. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it sounds ridiculous to say but now, that... but at the time, like, I was just like, well, I don't know. Everybody else was sort of doing this. Like, this will probably happen and we don't. It became easy to lose sight of how fucked up the music was. Uh huh. I, I think like maybe since the seventies, and correct. I mean, I might be wrong here, but I feel like in the seventies and to up till now, there was always like those bands that kind of were like, whoa. I mean, starting with like looking at the Sex Pistols. You know, I mean, now obviously it's pretty. It sounds like a pop band. Yeah. But in the seventies, people were probably like, this is the most fucked up thing, and they're yeah. huge, and they're known all over the world, and making a lot of money. You know, or what, whatever. So like, and then. You know the '80s was full of it too. Like how to, you know, the, like but then with our, and within our communities, like it seemed like some of our friends were getting these. They're winning a lottery, you know. And you're yeah. like, that's cool. Like, but not everyone gets to win it. No, but now I just sort of I'm like, you're lucky if you get to play. And yeah. the friends of ours that actually did make those 
big advances like career wise yeah when i listen to what they do musically i'm just like oh that's why they're like really good at writing catchy songs that people like the lyrics to or yeah like all the things that we never would put any effort into to do (laughs) at all like trying to make it make you feel good or but that's your art and that's i mean art's subjective yeah i think i mean 100 percent. i just i don't always want to feel good like i don't want to fucking put on shit that makes you i mean but you know it's funny though when i when i listen to a lot of the black dice stuff the the more the more recent stuff i i i feel good when i hear it at least someone did (laughs) (laughs) some real darkness informing actually i don't think we're that weird of a band musically i mean i'm so close to it i have no perspective but there are times i'm like I guess this new record had reviews of one or two I read, and I was just like, really? I mean, when I listen to any, like, I was listening to this thing called Pink Dalla. Have you ever heard this? Uh-uh. I think it's con- it's considered, like, gir- female bedroom hip-hop, I guess. And I was just like, I don't understand a fucking What's thing. the bedroom part I have to do? I think it's just a record in their house. Uh-oh. Like, it's not a big studio thing. But it was like, the way they approached it was more like, um like bounce like that new orleans bounce stuff where uh-huh. it was like it was hip-hop but it would just be like this one thing and then it would change to this other big chunk and it had nothing to do with songwriting uh-huh. like in a traditional sense and i was like this seems weird to me but i guess because it's popular it's not weird you yeah know? and that's well it's like mumble rap or like soundcloud rap yeah mm-hmm. they just seem like i mean no offense is to that those like artists. little peep i don't know if he's part of that i'm sure Anybody now with Lil in front of me? Yeah, <laughs> it is like the Lil thing, yeah. But it just felt like la- lazy, kind of, or like ju- junky, which, but it's funny because I, you know, Brett Garowitz, um, the owner of Epitaph. Um, I don't think I've met him by now. I mean, okay, well, he was in Bad Religion and, you know, all the stuff and whatever. And, mm-hmm. like, him and I had this conversation where he was, like, we had, we met up, at a, we had a meeting, and he only wanted to talk about, sound like, mumble rap. And I was like, what the fuck? why <laughs> and so I was like dude you gotta explain to me because like this is a guy that was in Bad Religion and you know he like likes a lot of cool music but also likes a lot of bad music And but but bad like as like Rancid Bad or yeah. The Offspring Bad which you know they put out those bands so I'm like why do you like this stuff and he's like he, he really honestly felt like it was a modern day version of what punk rock was in the 80s like it was so fucked up and and everyone had like shitty tattoos on their faces and and like you know like it was a thing it's like this is like you identified it was like a mohawk doesn't work anymore okay i'm gonna fuck my face up and i'm gonna do this noise um yeah mumble rap something not really musical like you think about like darby crash it's like almost identical to darby crash you know like and I love the I love the germs, but you know, what I'm saying like he couldn't sing, he didn't really perform very well. He looked, he was a mess, and so yeah. like, oh yeah, so that makes sense. So maybe that is what maybe we just maybe it's, this is a product, or like this is the effect of us being older. You know, I think everybody wants to believe that the older they get, they're going to still be open minded and mm-hmm. receptive to everything. Yeah, I just don't think that that happens. There you have it. That was episode seventeen of the Colton Culture Podcast. Uh, be sure to check out Black Dice and pick up their new album that just came out, Mod Prod Sick, on 4-4 Records, out now. Be sure to check out our previous episodes available on all streaming platforms. Colton Culture is proudly sponsored by Earthquaker Devices. Planet B. Planet B.